camera. Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. Today we have the beautiful Lynn Eves, an author and parent coach, joining us to share her healing journey story. Thank you so much, Lynn, for being here today. I'm excited to hear your story. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Well, um, as you said, I, my name is Lynn, Lynn Eats, and uh, I'm an author and parent coach, and I'm um, writing some courses that I'm going to be launching soon. So a course creator. And, um, you know, I've been doing this business thing for quite some time. And, uh, uh, but this particular thing I've been doing for about five, going on five years. And so I just recently resigned from my professional, um, full-time professional nanny career. Awesome. I love that. So tell us about your healing journey, the darkest moment that, that you were in, what were, what kind of pattern were you stuck in that, and how did you get there? Well, I have to say that, um, really my darkest moment was in my childhood when I was about age 11. And this is the time that my parents, my mom actually decided that she was going to be divorcing my dad. And I was the oldest child, so I knew that I was going to have to really help out a lot because I had two younger siblings. And um, and it was tough, uh, but I decided, you know, at that time um, that I, I just, I had like goals for myself that, um, you know, I wanted to be able to be self-supporting because my mom didn't have an education. She dropped out of high school and just worked and um, and then she was just a stay-at-home mom. And so um, I, I just, I wanted to have something different for my, you know, for my life. Um, but that was really um, hard because, you know, up until that point, you know, I, I hit a full, I call it the full family unit. And, um, and so, you know, so my mom raised me as a single parent and, and that was just a very difficult time. And, yeah. um and she did rely uh, a lot on me um, as the oldest child. And so I yeah, say the oldest child grows up so fast and there's so yeah. much responsibility. What did you end up being a built-in babysitter for your younger siblings? That's correct. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and my mom, so she was a waitress and um, she worked a lot of evenings because I mean, she worked, you know, sometimes during the day while we were at school. But, but I, like I said, my younger siblings, they were not old enough to go to school. And so she pretty much stayed at home during the day with them. And then I um, helped, you know, pretty much just became like the second mom. And, you know, did bath time and home, you know, just, you know, reading, getting them ready for bed and things like that. So really just, um, I, and although it was a very difficult time in my life, it also was very um, you know, it was very educating, educational for me of, you know, just learning things, but it did, you know, move, remove some of my childhood away in my opinion, you know, that I just, I just wasn't able to do a lot of different things. Um, although my mom tried to, you know, extra hard to like get me to like, you know, time on the weekends to play with, uh, or, you know, have play dates with kids my own age. Um, so yeah. that I was just always at home watching my younger siblings. And so, yeah, so that is that how you got started to be a, a nanny was because you were caregiving your you siblings? Know, I think so. It's something that's always comfortable for me. And I'm, uh, I like to think that I'm a natural person at it. 
And so, um, so I was also a dancer. So the dance was kind of my outlet. And I was always like, whenever I was at dance, I kind of just that was my my time out of the house. And so I incorporated a lot of that, you know, those, those types of things into, um, you know, I had my own children. And then when I had my own children, and then they got into the school system, then I did, you know, before and after school, like, you know, I became like a house that the kids came, you know, the parents dropped off. So basically did like nanny stuff, like just had like a, a daycare center pretty much at my house. So really chill. I've been around children all, all my life, you know, so yes. then when I, my kids were older, I, you know, was, had some professional careers and then it said, I just didn't want to do that anymore because um, you know, I just, I love kids so much. And so I just decided I was going to be a nanny one day. And my husband's like, Whoa, wait a second. Um, well, what if you don't like, what if you don't get a job and what if they don't pay you? And I'm like, it's okay. It's going to work out So for many years. And, um, and as you know, it takes a lot of time to, you know, build a business and run a business. And so, um, you know, so I just started doing that gradually while, so I work 62 hours a week. Wow, and that's a lot. watching kids. And I actually did four days a week, 40 hours and four days. And then I watched my granddaughter one day a week. So they end up being 62 hours. So after a while running a business and doing that, that eventually um, I kind of got burnt out on that. And so um, I was finally in a position where I could actually let go and resign from my nanny work. So I just did that. That's awesome. Then. That's great. It's a great transition time to, you know, it sounds like you were taking care of children since 11 years old, and then you really didn't have uh, your own like teen years and you didn't really get to enjoy yourself being this little miniature adult, but then you took it, you took that moment, you know, because it's hard for kids to go through divorce and a lot of people don't understand that, you know, when parents divorce, especially when the kids are younger, it affects them too. And, you know, then you have that separation of your parents and your family. I come from a divorced family, but I was only two when my parents got divorced. But there was always that, you know, like you, your home was, you came from a broken home. And I know a lot of times now they don't use that language. They just say, you know, I don't come from a broken home. I come from a stable home because if your parents stay together, not loving and being unified, it's more dysfunctional than if, it, if they were. So there's, I know there's different points of view on that, but you don't realize the impact, especially being the oldest. I know my older brother had to take care of us and he was nine years older than me. And we, he always used to kid, he passed away now, but he always used to kid with me. He's like, I need to change your diapers. Who are you, you know, who are you sassing back to? And it's just like, you're just my brother. But he had, he was that, that parental authority. And I know my son, uh, my oldest, there's um, eight years between him and my daughter. And I used to baby, I used to have him babysit, but I used to pay him because I didn't want him to be like my brother. So I'd be like, well, we're going to go out, we're going to pay you. But then he felt like it was his responsibility because he was so much older to take care of the little one. So you do that. I think that older child, when you're born into that position, you automatically have all these responsibilities. So I love how you took it and made it a career and made it your love and your passion. So it's almost like you were using your God-given talents and just pouring it back because you tried other, you tried something else and realized, nope, I love these kids. I want to be with these kids. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know you had like a natural, um, you know, love of children and, 
Um, and, and my mom was a great parent as well. I mean, she was really great, but you know, she was a single mom in having not had any, you know, formal education, um, of like going to college or doing anything. So like, I was like, I'm going to school. I never smoking. Cause everyone in my family smoked, you know, back in the the sixties and the seventies. And so, um, I just made decisions for my life really, um, at that time. And, but it was a dark time and it was hard. Like you said, I mean, it's like, it, I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. It's divorce hard on the kids. And then it was a typical, you know, you tell your dad this, well, you tell your mother yeah. that. And then finally I was like, you know what? You both need to talk to each other. Like I'm tapping out. I'm out. I'm out of this. <laughs> Good for so, you. Establishing those healthy boundaries. That's yeah. So, great. I mean, I didn't realize at the time what I was doing, but, you know, looking back and then, of course, I've gone through some counseling over the years, um, just to deal with different things. And I was setting boundaries and I didn't even know it. So, um, so I'm just glad that I had that, um, you know, that personality, I don't know if it's personality structure or the, I don't know, the, the intuition, yeah, the inner strength, yeah, the inner, the strength, inner strength that you had to say like, no, I, this is unacceptable. And like, I'm a, I'm a kid, like, I don't need that pressure. So Right. Kids don't have that. Don't they? Don't have that in um, ability to like see that and make those decisions and set those boundaries. And so, um, so as a mom and a parent, I was like crazy obsessed with volunteering at the school because I wanted to be that example that you know I wanted to be an example of that you can be you know, be raised in a single home, a single parent uh, family and still be successful and then still be a good parent. And I just wanted to be a good example for other parents that might be going through that. Uh, And the kids, you know, so a lot of the kids like knew me and like would see me at the school all the time doing different things. And so I, you know, so I always been, I always wanted to be like, um, someone that the, the kids in any, you know, part of life could actually, I wanted to be approachable for kids. So if yeah. they were in trouble or if they needed to talk to someone and they didn't have anybody. And I had a lot of really great conversations with young kids through the years. I mean, during, especially during elementary school, um, you know, and a lot of them. So I, I just had, you know, a, a special, like a servant's heart for, for kids. That's awesome. That's beautiful. So what kind of modalities did you implement to help you establishing healthy boundaries. I know you've mentioned that you told your parents enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of get out of that. I, I picture the victim triangle where like they were trying to suck you in and you know, you tell your mom, da da da. And it's like, no, what what modalities did you implement to keep that going? And except at a young age you did this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, um there's a story about a piano that's involved. Um when I was probably about I would say eight. Um, one of my great, two of my great aunts actually sent my mom $300. And this was back in the seventies to buy me a piano because I decided I wanted to learn how to play the piano because I loved music and I was a dancer. So uh, I took, you know, ballet lessons and everything. I loved that. So, um, so they sent $300. My mom found a used upright piano and have it delivered to our house. And I think she paid maybe a hundred dollars for it. And, um, and the rest of the money she used to get me piano lessons. So that was like, that was a huge, um, emotional, um, release for me is, was playing the piano. So, you know, I would come home from school and I would just bang on the piano. Like I was so mad 
And then after a while, I was playing it really nice and soft. And my mom would come in and she'd say, oh, are, are you feeling better now? <laughs> that was kind of like, um, uh, you know, a stress relief for me, um, that and my dancing. And, um, and so I actually danced through most of my childhood until about five years ago when I injured my, one of my, uh, my knees, ACL injury. But, um, but I still, so anyway, I've had three different pianos since then. And we, so we moved, um, we moved and my mom had to sell, she actually donated the piano to a local church and I was devastated, but she found another one for, again, for $300. And, um, you know, then I, then we moved again. So now the actual piano that I have now, um, I have in my house and I've had it the whole time, um, I've been married, which is two years. (laughs) And, um, you know, so so I still use that as an emotional release in a way to release my stress. So that's so you know, so that's like a bright spot and um, for me, and I and I still love music. So yeah, and music is such a great expression in order to belt out your feelings and and just process. I know a lot of times when I'm feeling laid down and 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 within my thoughts, I'll be like, okay, I'm just gonna chill, put some nice music on, relax, maybe like my diffuser. And kind of just calm my mind and just not think about anything, just be in the present, be in the moment. So that's right. a beautiful modality. Um, what advice would you give someone that maybe experienced a similar situation? Maybe their kids are going through a divorce and they're acting out. I know I, I see a lot of families where the kids, especially if they're teenagers, they're, they're super angry, they're frustrated, they might start hitting their siblings, running away, things of that nature. So what kind of advice would you give to um families that would be experiencing this? That's a great question. I love that question. Um, And what I like the top of mind, the top thing I would say, uh, or my advice would be is to um, be honest with your kids. And I would say, um, you know, keep the communication between yourself and your spouse or your significant other private, um, because words are hurtful. And sometimes when the parents are emotionally charged, they might say things that they are not necessarily meaning at the time. Um, And then the third thing is to keep a positive mindset and be a good example for your children because they see what you're doing. And a lot of times kids want to emulate, they want to emulate their parents. You know, they, they want to be like their parents and, um, of course, the teenagers, sometimes they don't want to be like their parents, <laughs> as you know, because I know you, you've raised teenagers as well. So um, so I do have, I didn't mention before, I do have two children of my own and I have you know, scores of, I call them my nanny children and, and two granddaughters now. So, uh, and I have um, eight nieces and nephews that I've kind of mm-hmm. helped raise up. So, um, but yeah, that's, those are the three things that I would um as you know, that I would give as advice to parents that that are in that same kind of separation or a divorce situation. No, oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And uh, I know you're inviting me. Yeah, it's awesome. I know you have an awesome um, learn with Lynn on Clubhouse. So our listeners can there'll be a description of how to connect with you. Um, in the description box. So if you'd like to learn more about Learn with Lynn Parenting Trips, there's a beautiful um, 
site on Clubhouse, Instagram. You're also on Facebook. You're an author. What's the name of your book? Um, it's called The Truth About Success, and it was a book collaboration. So I wrote a chapter, and um, the book was about failure. Or the, I'm sorry, the, the chapter I wrote was about failing. So I failed so many times with my businesses that, and I know that it's, it's okay to fail. And so that's kind of my message in the chapter. But, but I do go I touch a little bit about um, you know when I was young and how I grew up and how I just kept going. Like who inspired me. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. And again, thank you, audience, for listening, for joining us today. And remember, it's all a matter of the heart. Thank you, Lisa.